Chapter Five, Part Two of the Black Box by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An old grudge. Mrs. Reinhold welcomed the inspector with a beaming smile as he stepped out of his office and approached her automobile. "'How nice of you to be so punctual, Mr. French!' she exclaimed, making room for him by her side. "'Will you tell the man to drive to Mr. Quest's house in Georgia Square?' The inspector obeyed and took his place in the luxurious limousine. "'How beautifully punctual we are,' she continued, glancing at the clock. "'Inspector, I am so excited at the idea of getting my jewels back.' Isn't Mr. Quest a wonderful man? He's a clever chap, all right, the inspector admitted. All the same, I'm rather sorry he wasn't able to lay his hands on the thief. That's your point of view, of course, Mrs. Reinhold remarked. I can think of nothing but having my diamonds back. I feel I ought to go and thank the professor for recommending Mr. Quest. The inspector made no reply. Mrs. Reinhold was suddenly aware that she was becoming a little tactless. Of course, she sighed, it is disappointing not to be able to lay your hands upon the thief. That is where, I suppose, you must find the interference of an amateur like Mr. Quest a little troublesome sometimes. He gets back the property, which is what the private individual wants, but he doesn't secure the thief, which is, of course, the real end of the case from your point of view. It's a queer affair about these jewels, the inspector remarked. Quest hasn't told me the whole story yet. Here we are on the stroke of time. The car drew up outside of Quest's house. The inspector assisted his companion to alight and rang the bell at the front door. There was a somewhat prolonged pause. He rang again. Never knew this to happen before, he remarked. That sort of secretary valet of Mr. Quest's, Ross Brown, I think he calls him, is always on the spot. They waited for some time. There was still no answer to their summons. The inspector placed his ear to the keyhole. There was not a sound to be heard. He drew back a little puzzled. At that moment his attention was caught by the fluttering of a little piece of white material caught in the door. He pulled it out. It was a fragment of white embroidery, and on it were several small stains. The inspector looked at them and looked at his fingers. His face grew suddenly grave. Seems to me, he muttered, that there's been some trouble here. I shall have to take a liberty. If you'll excuse me, Mrs. Reinhold, I think it would be better if you waited in the car until I sent out for you. "'You don't think the jewels have been stolen again?' she gasped. The inspector made no reply. He had drawn from his pocket a little pass-key and was fitting it into the lock. The door swung open. Once more, they were both conscious of that peculiar silence, which seemed to have it in some unnameable quality. He moved to the foot of the stairs and shouted, "'Hello! Anyone there?' There was no reply. He opened the door of the two rooms on the right-hand side, where Quest 
when he was engaged in any widespread affair, kept a stenographer and a telegraph operator. Both rooms were empty. Then he turned towards Quest's study on the left-hand side. French was a man of iron nerve. He had served his time in the roughest quarters of New York. He had found himself face to face with every sort of crime. Yet, as he opened that door, he seemed to feel some premonition of what was to come. He stepped across the threshold. No power on earth could have kept back the cry which broke from his lips. The curtains of the window which looked out onto the street were drawn, and the light was none too good. It was sufficient for him, however, to see without difficulty the details of a ghastly tragedy. A few feet away from the door was stretched the body of the secretary valet. On the other side of the room, lying as though she had slipped from the sofa, her head fallen on one side in hideous fashion, was the body of Miss Quigg, the Salvation Army young woman. French set his teeth and drew back the curtains. In the clearer light, the disorder of the room was fully revealed. There had been a terrible struggle. Between whom? How? There was suddenly a piercing shriek. The inspector turned quickly around. Mrs. Reinhold, who had disregarded his advice, was standing on the threshold. "'Inspector!' she cried. "'What has happened? Oh, my God!' She covered her face with her hands. French gripped her by the arm. At that moment, there was the sound of an automobile stopping outside. "'Keep quiet for a moment,' the inspector whispered in her ear. "'Pull yourself together, madam. Go to the other end of the room. Don't look. Stay there for a few moments, and then get home as quick as you can.' She obeyed him mutely, pressing her hands to her eyes, shivering in every limb. French stood back inside the room. He heard the front door open. He heard Quest's voice outside. "'Ross, where the devil are you, Ross?' There was no reply. The door was pushed open. Quest entered, followed by the professor and Craig. The inspector stood watching their faces. Quest came to a standstill before he had passed the threshold. He looked upon the floor, and he looked across to the sofa. Then... He looked at French. "'My God!' he muttered. The professor pushed past. He, too, looked around the room and gazed at the two bodies with an expression of blank and absolute terror. Then he fell back into Craig's arms. "'The poor girl!' he cried. "'Horrible! Horrible! Horrible!' Craig led him for a moment to one side. The professor was overcome and almost hysterical. Quest and French were left face to face. "'Know anything about this?' Quest asked quickly. "'Not a thing,' the inspector replied. "'We arrived, Mrs. Reinhold and I, at five minutes past twelve. There was no answer to our ring. I used my pass-key and entered. This is what I found.' Quest stood over the body of his valet for a moment. The man was obviously dead. The inspector took his handkerchief and covered up the head. A few feet away was a heavy paperweight. 
"'Killed by a blow from behind,' French remarked grimly. "'With that little affair. Look here.' They glanced down at the girl. Quest's eyebrows came together quickly. There were two blue marks upon her throat where a man's thumbs might have been. "'The hands again,' he muttered. The inspector nodded. "'Can you make anything of it?' "'Not yet,' Quest confessed. "'I must think.' The inspector glanced at him curiously. "'Where on earth have you been to?' he demanded. "'Been to?' Quest repeated. "'Look in the mirror,' French suggested. Quest glanced at himself. His collar had given way. His tie was torn. A button and some of the cloth had been wrenched from his coat. His trousers were torn. He was covered with dust.' "'I'll tell you about my trouble a little later on,' he replied. "'Say, can't we keep those girls out?' They were too late. Laura and Lenora were already upon the threshold. Quest swung round towards them. "'Girls,' he said, "'there has been some trouble here. "'Go and wait upstairs, Lenora, or sit in the hall. "'Laura, you had better telephone to the police station and for a doctor.' "'That's right, isn't it, Inspector?' "'Yes,' the latter assented thoughtfully. Lenora, white to the lips, staggered a few feet back into the hall. Laura set her teeth and lingered. "'Is that Ross?' she asked. "'It's his body,' Quest replied. "'He's been murdered here. He and the Salvation Army girl, who was to come this morning for her check. Laura turned away, half-dazed. "'I'd have trusted Ross with my life,' Quest continued. "'But he must have been alone in the house when the girl came. "'Do you suppose it was the usual sort of trouble?' Inspector French stooped down and picked up the paperweight. Across it was stamped the name of Sanford Quest. "'This yours, Quest?' "'Of course it is,' Quest answered. "'Everything in the room is mine.' The girl would fight to defend herself, the inspector remarked slowly, but she could never strike a man such a blow as your valet died from. Once more he stooped and picked up a small clock. It had stopped at 11.15. He looked at it thoughtfully. Quest, he said, I have to ask you a question. Why not, Quest replied, looking up quickly. Where were you at 11.15? on tower number ten of the new york central scrapping for my life quest answered grimly i've reason to remember it something in the inspector's steady gaze seemed to inspire the criminologist suddenly with a new idea he came a step forward a little frown upon his forehead say french he exclaimed you don't you don't suspect me of this french was unmoved he looked Quest in the eyes. I don't know, he said. End of chapter 5, part 2